for sitting down today with Tam. She is the realtor and owner of Tam Langan Homes for the last six years. She's a real estate investor and mentor. She's an associate leadership counsel for KW Lake Minnetonka. Did I say that right? You did. Top producing individual agent at KW Lake Minnetonka. Founding president of the Veterans Association of Real Estate Professionals, Minnesota chapter, and awarded Rookie Chapter of the Year. Rookie of the Year, uh, your first year in real estate, and the sorority president in college. Yeah. That is quite a list of professional accomplishments. Yeah. I didn't even say we, I, we were awarded the highest national award for our, our sorority during my term as well called the Crown of Excellence. So kind of a pattern we start to see in launching of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on the personal side, you're a single mom. Mm-hmm. You are a survivor, a veteran, a mentor, and a successful entrepreneur. Um, alongside of being a real estate uh, business owner and investor, you're also a CrossFit lover. So you're yeah. all about the working out. Yes. Um, and Lego fanatic. And then there's yeah. one that you listed that I'm not sure <laughs> what it means, but you're also a self-proclaimed doodle mom. Yeah. Uh, he's hiding right now. That would be my dog. He's oh. a golden doodle. So we coin ourselves doodle, doodle parents or doodle mom. Yes. Oh. Yep. So that would be my, I'm a doodle mom or my doodle, my golden doodle. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that is so sweet. Take us into your world a little bit and explain what it is that you do professionally. Yeah, absolutely. So there's kind of two sides to the professional world at this point, which I have the opportunity to be a part of, which is the sales side, right? So it's helping um, people buy, sell, and invest in residential real estate. And then the other side of this is the leadership that not everyone really taps into. Um, I'm part of a really large company that is seated on a foundation of training and giving back in this really collaborative approach. And we have these opportunities to mentor and teach uh, new real estate agents that come in and to kind of work side by side with um, other top producing agents who've been in for a long time. So there's that piece too, which is mentoring new agents that come in and being, you know, part of the growth of our entire office and uh, mentoring and teaching um, young new entrepreneurs because we're all essentially small business owners um, and I don't know if a lot of people know that. Um, so it's teaching them how to run a business and then also do the sales. So teaching and mentoring new agents. Is that, um, is that common in the real estate market? If you go into larger firms um, as an individual small business owner, which is a real estate agent, is it a common culture or is it specific to the one that you've chosen to be a part of? That is a really great question. And I really do believe, you know, I've been with Keller Williams my entire career as a real estate agent. I did my research before I jumped in with them and and we're partnering together really, right? Um, And I really think that as far as my research was at the time and still is today, um, they're really the only company that I could choose to partner with that had that culture that I was looking for of collaboration and training and mentorship instead of kind of what I think a lot of people envision for real estate is you get thrown to the wolves Mm -hmm. a little bit um, or just entrepreneurship in general, I think can be really lonely um, and kind of thrown out to the wolves as so they say. Uh, And so I think it is very unique to the company that I chose to partner with. Mm -hmm. And how long did you do your research before you settled with, or not settled, but how long did you do your research before you settled down with 
Keller Williams? Yeah. So I know you and I talked a little bit about um, kind of this abrupt shift. So it really wasn't a lot of time. Um, it was it was having some really good conversations with people, but I would say maybe a couple weeks. Not not a to me that doesn't seem like a significant amount of time. <laughs> do you usually take longer in your research and decision making? Yeah, I'll, I do research. I don't take a lot of time. I'm I can be a fairly decisive person. Um, I, I I like to say it's calculated risks, so I'll take risks. They're certainly thought through before I jump. Um, I generally speaking, don't take too long to decide. Mm-hmm. And that's something in your, in your gut that you're, yeah. you're sure that this is the, the way that it needs to happen. Yes. I have a tendency to be a little bit uh, all in, you know, so if it's not a hard yes for me, it's probably a no. <laughs> so anyone calling me to try to sell me something, I'm like, all right, it better be good because I'm either all in or I'm out. <laughs> so yeah, I have a tendency to be kind of that way. Yeah. And you moved into real estate from Mm -hmm. medicine. You actually started in the medical field. What was Mm -hmm. your, what was your role or what was your career path when you were in medicine? Yeah. So I joined at 17 as a medic in the army thinking I always wanted to be a doctor since I was a little girl. It was, I want to be a doctor. And so I joined medicine um, in the military. You have to have an EMT certification civilian side, you know, to be in the military as a medic. And then I studied human biology, chemistry. I was, the path was med school. Mm-hmm. So that was, that's kind of where I was headed. So when I worked at the clinic, I was doing, my position was called the doctor's assistant. So I'm essentially doing nurse work, but not in this, the role of an RN because I didn't have an RN degree because um, I was this pre-med student, right? Thinking right. I'm headed towards med school and then totally didn't about face and changed to that. <laughs> Into yeah. real estate. What, yes, made yeah. you, what made you want to start down the path of medicine? Yeah, I I get that question a lot. And I think, you know, as we kind of talked about that a little bit, having this traumatic childhood growing up and really, really the only thing I know is being a caregiver and um, taking care of other people. So I, I found fulfillment and happiness by what I knew, which was like, you know, taking care of other people. Um, and not necessarily in, in the mental health capacity. I wasn't comfortable with that at the time. Um but in a physical capacity, like, you know, physical medicine, Mm -hmm. physically taking care of someone. And when you did the transition, Mm -hmm. because we're going to get into the why you did the transition, but what I'm really interested in now is how did that physically taking care of someone that call to um, make an impact on someone to make them better? How did Mm -hmm. that translate for you into real estate? Yeah, I love that question because when I did this jump to real estate, everyone was shocked. My friends thought I was being irresponsible. Um, I got a lot of pushback and um, everybody was really confused. Like why you're going to med school? That's your medicine. Like that's all we know of you. So I had to learn how to explain that to people. And I definitely think that what I was doing in medicine translates over into real estate. And the best way that I can explain that is in medicine, I'm coaching a very complex knowledge set in a very high intensity situation, emotional with other family members at play. I'm coaching medicine, right? We're advising them on what's best to do for a family member in their medical um, life. 
real estate, I'm doing something very similar. It's just a different product knowledge, right? It's a complex set of knowledge and there's multiple people at play. It's intense and emotional field. And I'm coaching them on how to get through one of the largest financial and investments they're going to make in their life. And it affects their daily life and their family. So I was really just coaching a different topic. And then when I explained that, people were like, oh, that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You're still yeah. taking care of them. Yep. You're still taking oh, yeah. care of them. You're understanding what their end goal is. Yeah. That would make their life better. And you're yeah. helping them get there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, real estate, I'm not for me anyway, is is so much more than just sales. It's it's very complex. I'm involved in people's daily lives and their major life changes, babies, divorce, marriage, death. And helping them navigate in this emotional field where they don't understand most of it because it doesn't happen very often for them. And it it affects their daily life. Where do you put your kids to bed at night? How do you get them ready? Where do they go to school? How do they get to school? So really big pieces. So it's not just sales. I mean, it can be just sales, but if we're really, you know, this opportunity to really care for people in a really impactful way, just different. You know, I've never heard anyone speak about real estate in in that way, such as, you know, you're going through uh, marriages, divorce, debts, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of people, when they think of realtors buying and selling homes, yes, they always think about sales, (laughs) Um, but they also, the image that comes to mind, I think more often than not, is that happy couple buying their first home. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, somebody got that great job offer and now they have to move and relocate, but you're having to navigate a lot of emotional Mm -hmm. feeling. I mean, you're a lot of people's emotions. What I find interesting is when you went into the medical field, you were really looking at physically taking care of someone. And now you've transitioned Mm -hmm. into real estate where you're emotionally caring. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's, it's different in that way. Yeah. So in medicine, I can, I can very much just speak to the facts, you know, speak to lab results, imaging, that kind of stuff. Um, especially working in ER type settings often, um, or primary care. I mean, the mental health stuff is for mental health professionals. So it's usually not our main focus or something that we have to be a subject matter expert on. Um, and you're absolutely right. Very different in real estate because it is not the happy-go-lucky couples. I mean, some of them are really smooth and easy. I would say those are rare, um, especially because you have different personalities coming into play. And sometimes it's the first time they've ever had to make a decision like this. Um, and they haven't had to make decisions like this yet. So I'm literally in the middle of the room <laughs> oh. guiding them. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're right when you were talking about how when we think about people that are buying and selling homes, we think this happy, I think, you know, they're happy. They have a job transfer. Something exciting is going on, which it is. Um, except the media, you know, um, shows things like that, that project home buying and selling. They really don't talk about the hard parts, which is this really intense emotional field where people are talking about things they've never had to talk about before together. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're dealing with an emotional intensity over here and just dealing with the house needs to just happen. Um, and so even when you're talking with them or multiple family members um, and, and ne- you're not just negotiating with the other, the other real estate agent, you really sometimes have to negotiate between the parties that you're working with because they're not on the same page. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. you're not just emotionally coaching and taking care of your customers. You're also mm-hmm. emotionally coaching and mentoring those that are coming up in the business. Yes. Yes. And that's not something everybody has to do. Um, our associate leadership council for Keller, we, we have them for each office and you have to be invited in and, and be a top producer in the office and, and obviously be willing to give back because we don't get paid anything for it. It's all volunteer. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's this amazing opportunity. I, I'm a part of the growth committee, right? I run the growth committee. And um, this year it changes each year. However, it's about the growth of individual agents' businesses and the growth of our brokerage business also. Mm-hmm. So how many hours a day, if you had to split up your, your hours, how many hours a day are you selling? Mm-hmm. And how many hours a day are you preparing others and coaching others and getting them to the place yeah. to sell, whether it be another realtor or, a, you know, an, an, an individual or family? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such a great question. And of course, in our, we're very seasonal here, so our schedules can shift quite a bit. Um, but I could easily spend, well, it could be eight to 10 hours on real estate, not always that many hours, right? Um, certainly in the springtime, there's more, but there, I can easily spend an hour a day coaching and mentoring. Mm-hmm. Or I mean, sometimes two, right? If I'm helping tomorrow night, I'm helping one of them do their first time homebuyer seminar, first time they've ever done it. So we've, we've practiced, we've, you know, coached on what in, content you need to have in there and then I'll be there present as well. So sometimes it's more. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot of teaching and learning. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And And just being an entrepreneur and and learning because so many people that jump into entrepreneurship for the first time come from a W2 job, right? We're used to getting paid. I did too. I, my, there's no business owners in my family. So it was very different for me to go from knowing I'm getting paid every other week or every week or whatever that looks like as a W2 employee to, to not having that at all. And so that is a very big struggle for a lot of people as they're coming into just business ownership. It doesn't have to be real estate. I think that applies to any entrepreneur opportunity. Any business. And when Mm -hmm. you decided to make that jump, did you come in to this uh, with a strong confidence of, of sales? I had no sales experience. So I never worked in retail. I never worked at a restaurant. I had no sales experience whatsoever. So how did you, how did you overcome that? Was that even, was that even on your radar as an obstacle or a challenge or was that something that didn't yeah. at all? Yeah. So I guess I, you know, I'd, I'd bought a home before I bought up my first house when I was 24 and this was all happening at 27. So I'd, I'd experienced what being on the other side looked like. Um, and I guess maybe it was a little, a little bit of being a naive, you know, and not really knowing how much sales was really involved. Um, cause when you take your real estate courses, they don't really talk about the sales side of things or like sourcing business. Right. Um, so maybe I was a little bit naive going into it. So I wasn't afraid really, cause I maybe didn't know at the time what that meant. Yeah. So how did you scale? Without, with coming in with zero sales experience mm-hmm. and not even really having a full picture of how much that would be involved to build mm-hmm. a, yeah. a book of business, how did you yeah. scale in that first year? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I found very quickly people to mentor. And when they said jump, I jumped. So I just did what they said to do 
and it worked. And so uh, Jim Camarada was my broker at the time. He's still our broker. And he said, Tam, you have to go to Bold, which is this business coaching class by MAPS Coaching. It's a Keller Williams training coaching course. And I have a MAPS mastery coach now. And I started in what we call Bold. And I didn't even have my license yet, step one, in a room. And, I, and it was like trial by fire. But I do well with trial by fire. You know, I'm like, just throw me and I'll figure it out. And that taught me kind of what I really needed to know, the basics of real estate and in sales and building habits around sales and um, building relationships and and how, like, how do I even do my job, right? Um, So I learned most of that right away at Bold before I even had my license. I had my license by step two. So it's every week for eight weeks, once, once, one day a week. So Monday for eight hours or so, once a week for eight weeks. Wow. And yeah. How many times through this course of let's say your first year, your first two years, mm-hmm. heck, maybe your first five years, <laughs> how many were there times that you said, I have no idea how I'm going to pull this off? Was there oh, yeah. moments where you, that resistance that you had, they're mm-hmm. like, hmm, maybe they have a point. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm an open book when I, when I speak with entrepreneurs that aren't in real estate at all, they're doing something else. And I say, I'm going to be an open book with you. That feeling doesn't really go away. I I absolutely had it then. And I still have it today because as your business grows and then you start to leverage, you're starting to hire, then it's like, oh my goodness, I have to make sure I keep making all this business so that I can still feed these other families. Then it's not just mine. So that feeling, if you're the owner of a company, I wish I could tell you it goes away, but it kind of doesn't. Um, it just changes a little bit. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And my yeah. question to that is, do you believe that those that, and I know that there's a lot of components that go into mm-hmm. you know making it, having a successful business. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is discipline and learning and, and things like that. But this fear seems to be, a, a pothole for quite a mini. And that Mm -hmm. is their defining moment of, okay, I'm going to go back to the comforts of this W2. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you leverage that, that fear? How do you leverage that maybe anxiety that, that it causes? Yeah. So this comes up a lot with new agents. So this is a really great question. And I get a lot of them calling me often because maybe someone else they've talked to, they're like, well, you just go do this, just go do that. Um, Instead of really addressing like, it's okay to feel that fear. It's going to come up, just expect it, know it's going to be there. And then how do we make sure it doesn't debilitate us? So I think the first step for me anyway, is just saying, I'm expecting this. It's going to show up. It's probably not going to go away because I'm going to have more responsibility and then it's just going to shift a little bit. So but how do I make sure that it doesn't take me out? Whenever you have a limiting belief or something that is telling you that it's not going to work, write it down. So if it's, well, I can't do my business because I don't have a website yet. Just write it down. Don't even think about it. Just what's popping up in your mind when that fear starts to set in or I, I don't have enough money or I don't know where to find business or, or whatever it is, just write it down. And then I say, let's get together and let's look at that list. Cause then we can start knocking it out and saying, okay, how do we get rid of that one? And just putting a plan in place. So I say, let's, let's address it. Let's be okay that it exists. And then we can use it. Right. So like, let's write down the thoughts that first show up and then we can start attacking each one of those lists. That's 
that limiting belief or that fear or whatever it is that's holding you back? What does that look like? And sometimes it is, you and I kind of talked a little bit about this, is limiting beliefs from different parts of our life, like our personal life, that sometimes we have to address personal things before our business can get through the next ceiling of success, right? If we're kind of plateauing and to push through. So I always say, write it down and then let's start looking at that list and we'll just start knocking out that list so we can start eliminating those fears one by one. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And Mm -hmm. you have to be very honest, I would imagine when you make that Mm -hmm. list, whatever pops, it's because you're trying to get those personal limitations that we're letting it transfer into a professional bubble up. So, so we're talking about find, limiting beliefs. Yeah. <laughs> so what I find interesting and in how you explain that is you're still, um, you're approaching emotional limitations, business limitations, um, anything that's kind of standing in our way from a very methodical symptom approach that you would in medicine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> you're like, yeah. let's, let's list the symptoms. Let's mm-hmm. figure out the cause. And then yeah. here is the the plan to the get treatment you, plan the treatment plan <laughs> to get you healthy to get your business healthy yeah i didn't really think about that uh but you're right yeah absolutely you are a doctor <laughs> of business <laughs> yeah i should coin that term uh but yeah absolutely i mean it's like you you had mentioned it just now too right like if we if we're not really honest and vulnerable we don't have to be vulnerable with everybody just for sure with ourselves and be honest about what is really limiting us because you and I talked what's what's showing up in your personal life is going to show up in your business life and you will find success and some people will find that ceiling of success higher than other ones depending on where they are but to break through that we have to figure out what's really holding us back and we have to be honest and start writing that stuff down so sometimes it is maybe it's a skill set problem I don't know what I don't know so it's a skill set problem or it's a mindset problem. So it's like, let's write down our skill set. So in real estate, for example, it might be, I don't know how to write an offer. Okay, just write that down then. I don't know how to open a house. Okay, write that down. Um, for somebody else, it might be, I don't know how to get an account on Amazon so I can sell stuff, right? So let's write that down. And then some of it might be, I just don't know how I'm going to succeed or I just don't think I'm strong enough for this. And we got to write that stuff down too. Because that might that stuff might not show up, you know, really visible to us. But we're going to start hitting that ceiling of success, even if we have skills that there, our mindset will limit us. Mm-hmm. And so, what's that power of writing it down? I I like to like physically write things down. Some people would like to uh, type or or whatever it is, but I still like to write things down. And I really think it is getting our thoughts out of our head and putting it on paper. Um, and even if you're not sharing it with anyone, it's still like, and you can crumple it up and throw it away. That's fine. But it's just getting our thoughts out on paper. Um, cause then we can start to make sense of what's in our head. Right. Cause I think sometimes our, our brains just think for us <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, our fears will just show up for us. And I think if we, that's how we can start taking control of it is just calling it out. And then we can start being one aware of it. That's the biggest thing. And then we can start controlling whatever that limiting belief is so that we can, push through it. So it doesn't hold us back. So I love that you asked that question because the limiting belief things and that's, and so not just skill set is one of the things that I think that takes most entrepreneurs out and they end up back with their W2 job. Mm-hmm. Cause it's tough. Mm-hmm. It is. It is tough. I mean, sales are there to be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, market strategies are there to be learned and followed. Mm-hmm. And it is truly that we will 
run into an obstacle or listen to the resistance and mm-hmm. lean into it. Right. We'll allow it to lean into us. Mm-hmm. And then it starts defining what our next yeah. move is. Yeah. We don't have control. Mm-hmm. And so that writing it down makes it tangible, makes it something we can yeah. look at objectively. Yeah. And building I, a plan around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's helpful to, you know, so we can use other, our mentors time wisely is like find a mentor so that if you feel comfortable or when you feel comfortable, you can share that list with them and then they can give you their one skill set or to help shift your mindset. And then the other part of that too, is maybe hold you accountable um, to things that you might want to do. And so writing it down, can, can I put our thoughts into words before we sit down with them so that we can have a really constructive conversation. And all of the workshops that you've done and all the mentorships that you've done, has there ever been that, that person you were trying to get through a big, you know, to a breakthrough, they were so close, but they just refused to do it. They just oh, would yeah. not believe anything you were, you were telling them. They were so adamant in their perceived, I'm going to fail. This is not going to work that, that they were just stuck there. Absolutely. Yeah. What did you do? What do you do with that? Yeah. So when we're talking to some entrepreneurs, you know, we, we say, okay, what, why did you do this? Or what about starting a business, doing your own thing? What, what about that was appealing to you? Why? Um, and then what happens to your life in five years? If you don't do this, what does it look like? And sometimes we find out that they don't actually want to be entrepreneurs at all. And there's nothing wrong with that. Success looks different for different people. And sometimes we find out that they just think that this is what they were supposed to do, or it looks cool or everybody else, you know, this social media thing that's coming down and they're not really talking about the work that's involved. Um, and so it really is kind of digging back into that. Well, what made you want to do this to begin with? What, what were you leaving? And then what does your life look like in five years? If you don't do this, if if this doesn't work, what does it look like? Um, That's a powerful question to ask someone. I had one of our productivity coaches in the office. He is very, he'll look through your soul when you meet him. Um, (laughs) Really great guy. His name is Trey. And he asked me a question that just kind of shook me. You know, are there times in your life where someone asks you something and you're like, whoa, he doesn't know me that well. He doesn't know my past. And he asked me something that just hit me hard. And he said, he was saying to me, he's like, Tam, I don't know much about you, but I know you're a fighter and something happened in your life that made you this way because you are resilient and you get things done. And he said, so let me ask you, what has happened in your life that you never want to have happen again? And that hit me so hard. I was like, oh, I know the answer. I never want to put myself in a position where someone else could hurt me or someone I love as much as someone has in the past. And um, that's not going to be everyone's answer. But then what is, what is that shaped me into? It's this person that I don't allow failure to exist in my life because I want to be in control of my safety. I want to be in control of where my life is going. And m- money does that, right? As much as we talk about um, money is not everything, but money does give you freedom. It does give you the ability to, you know, have, I don't want to say power, but like the power over your own life and making decisions for yourself. And so, um, and I want to give those opportunities to other people too, and not necessarily like for safety reasons that might not be their answer, 
um, but they want to make sure they're not homeless again, or they want to make sure that they're somebody that might be sick always has the medical care that they need. And I can provide those opportunities for other people too, by building a bigger business with a bigger vision and not just do that for myself. So as you go further along in your career as a business owner, you start thinking about what opportunities, not just that I can provide for myself, it's that I could provide this opportunity for other people too. This is why you do and you continue to do what you do, not just selling houses, not just investing in real estate, but growing the growth part of this. I would like you to explain your view on designing a life, your life, yeah, uh, based on having both your personal and professional goals. Yeah. I love that you bring this up, right? Because we were talking about... Um, I, I don't really believe in work-life balance. I think that's a phrase that we've told people, especially women, um, because there's so much pressure on us to have a career and to have a family and to take care of the home. Uh, it's not a reality. Um, I, so I was talking about having this work-life counterbalance. And sometimes, for me, it shows up every year. We have seasonality, right? So it's Minnesota. It's icy in the winter. It starts to warm up in the spring people want to move in the spring. So my work balance and my life balance are off in the spring. And the question really is how far in counterbalance are you willing to go? And if we stay out of balance for too long, then that's when things start to break down. But sometimes in growth and business growth, especially um, when you start hiring or you start to do more sales and you're growing, you're not going to be in balance in your personal life. You're not going to be going out with your friends. You're probably working 14 hours a day and just knowing that that's okay and it's temporary. And at some point it's going to shift back. Do you think your growth professionally where you either allow yourself or you're able <laughs> to sit back and go look at what I've built and enjoy it? Yeah, that's a great question. So I do, I think I would be lying to you if I said that there's a point where I would just sit back. Um, I'll, I'll shift into that mentor position that, that I'm in now, but really diving in deep and being able to give back so I can help other people create that same opportunity for themselves. So I think I'd be lying to you if I said, yeah, I think there's a time where I'm going to sit back and just enjoy it. It's been really cool getting to know you and even... Yeah, better that I've actually gotten to sit down with you face to face and just gain a little bit of insight on you. You're an amazing yeah. human being, so I, really I appreciate, appreciate that. It. Yeah, weird to be be talking because now I'm curious to know more about you, right? <laughs> <laughs> next, next time, next time, next <laughs> time, next time, absolutely. Does your revenue grow by 20% monthly? If not, don't worry, Carbon Digital has you covered. Carbon Digital provides digital solutions that are designed to grow your business. A website is an asset to your business and should be the cornerstone of your marketing and customer outreach. The empowerment specialist, Byron E. Whiteley out of the UK says that Carbon Digital has superb service, understanding, transparency, and is swift to respond with a brilliant outcome. Contact us today to get a free audit of your website and take 10% off your services with code ANBRI. That's A-N-B-R-W-I. You can reach out to Carbon Digital at jared at carbondigital.us or directly by phone 980-269-0126.